Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I am Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Vash and Wolfwood from the anime Trigun. And joining us for the discussion is returning guest Norman Mitchell. Welcome back, Norm. Glad to be here to talk about my favorite anime. (laughs) Now, we've had you on to talk about anime before, and I think a manga or two, but this is your favorite. Yes, this this is my favorite anime. Uh, It's one of the first anime I saw the episodes of back on the adult swim block on on cartoon network and i've been in love with it since i was a teenager so most of the anime in fact i believe all of the anime i've actually sat down to watch has been through episodes on this podcast uh, and we've done a, a few through the years and i think this is the anime that grabbed me the most where i was like i kind of just really want to watch the next episode even though for the purpose of our discussion you like sent me i think it was five or six episodes where it's like uh, bounce around and do these episodes and uh, it'll give us a good basis for the discussion. And I was like watching it. I'm like, oh, the next it's, it's just skipping one episode. I could probably watch that. And then I realized how much time there was before recording. I was like, <laughs> I cannot. I, I've got to skip. But maybe I'm going to go back and watch it because I was um, I found this one really compelling. I'm really glad um, it's not for everybody. A lot of people find some of what it's doing really dated. Uh, the first the first two episodes, which we're not talking about today, um, have kind of the most of the anime like the 90s anime tropiness to them out of any of the early stuff mm. yeah and I, th- I think there's still always with anime like i still haven't quite broken down some of those like this is a, a feature of that kind of storytelling and it's just is so different to me that i still kind of like catch on it like the uh the hyper expressive faces like going from zero to to like uh almost like looney tunes exaggerated faces right when, when there's a lot of emotion all yeah. of a sudden uh, and, and it still does kind of catch on me, but I'm, I, I think it's I'm starting to get more used to it the more the more episodes I watch. And I'm sure eventually it would just be <laughs> like I, I, I enjoy a lot of media that has very odd bugs to the genre. Like I love superhero comics and there's all sorts of things where it's like you just go with it because that's superheroes. OK, and, and you don't you don't have to worry about it. And yeah, I, I can understand how you get there with anime. <laughs> yeah, it just becomes background noise. You just mm-hmm. you just stop. You stop it, it stops sticking out so much. It just becomes part of the language of what you're watching. Well, as we noted, Trigun is an anime series that follows a man named Vash the Stampede, the humanoid typhoon, as he wanders to avoid bounty hunters pursuing the $60 billion uh, reward on his head. There's something else they say with it always, right? It's uh, double dollars. Double dollars. $60 billion double dollars. That's what it is. There's some <laughs> fictional units of measurement for <laughs> no reason, just so that there are fictional units of measurement. Like it's aisles, yars, um, double dollars. There's a few others, but those are the big ones. I that always they use that a lot for just uh, just random world building. Just it's there. <laughs> And you, and you yeah. carry you carry on, um, and so he's wandering. It feels a little bit like the a uh, kind of wandering samurai stories. Is like wandering from town to town, and and you know has mm-hmm. a little adventure in in every place that he stops, uh, whether he wants to or not. Um, and at least that seemed to be the pattern of the episodes I've watched. I, I know yes. the uh, the manga went much longer. Like this is a twenty six episodes, and it's self contained to those twenty six episodes. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It it diverges like relatively quickly, and then it comes to its own conclusion. Uh, these stories are, are being told concurrently and particularly with something, um, you know, that, that's just going to go on and on. 
if you're doing the adaptation, sometimes you've got to make your own choices. We've seen that, you know, to a degree with uh, Game of Thrones on HBO, where, you know, the book series was still being written and the showrunners caught up and just did their own ending that, from my understanding, was not terribly popular. But uh, it, it seems like with anime, that's something that they've got to uh, do fairly regularly, right? Uh, yeah, it really depends on the thing. So a lot of times with like long running manga, um, you see it the most with like shonen manga. It's it's that the the anime will like catch up to where the manga is, and then they produce some filler episodes to buy time so they can go back to the main story. Um, but for the most part, uh, when it is a self contained work, they kind of do their best to to try to follow the canon of that work as best as they can mm-hmm. in like a in an in the anime medium because you can get away with kind of different stuff uh, in like comic form than you can in visual form and like vice versa. They have different, different strengths to those two different kinds of storytelling. Yes, definitely. Now, have you read the manga that this is based on? I have not read it all. I've only read uh, the first part of it, which is called Trigun. And then there was a change of publisher very early in its run. And because of licensing and copyright, the title of the manga actually changed to Trigun Maximum. Oh, I love it when when uh, corporate issues like yield, you know, lead to just odd creative choices that you've got to do. It. It's like from, mm-hmm. uh, from the major publishers, there will always be a miniseries of some uh, some comic book character who had a series, you know, eight years ago. They're going to get a three issue miniseries just to, you know, maintain the trademark. It's going to happen. <laughs> just yeah. They, they got to they get something new out <laughs> with, with that old title uh, for whatever reason. And in this case, they had to like switch it up just a little bit because I'm just curious, uh, you know, this this anime is so early in the run of that manga like i it's i'm just curious how divergent things became or if it really is like a a pretty good encapsulation of that early run of the of the manga my understanding so there's a lot of little things dropped in early on that become big things much later in the manga i know a lot about it because i just really love the story so i've always been interested in where the manga went but i've never been able to find all of it at a reasonable price uh (laughs) the like the the omnibus volumes have been out of print for a while but a lot of the darker things that this series hints at are seeds for how dark the manga gets in places oh okay uh but this kind of takes the the greater theme of the story and really tells like its own narrative that to me is really satisfying yeah it was definitely very very interesting uh to me and um i it, it's one of those where there's a lot of stylistic elements where um, it could be shallow, right? Where, where like there, it does have mm-hmm. a lot of like the slow-mo action shots and almost like matrix matrix X esque, uh, you know, uh, the use of guns and, and blowing, you know, coats, tails and all those things that we kind of associate with that late nineties action movie vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And yet there's definitely like a lot thematically that is clearly, been worked into this world and it's a strange world it's it's not i i don't know how to define the world itself or the characters themselves quite yet <laughs> i haven't only watched uh six episodes <laughs> but it, it's definitely fascinating and compelling uh to see and i loved that it it had all those stylish elements that did you know maybe like you said feel a little dated felt that mid 90s late 90s action movie style uh but they're definitely exploring issues of, you know, faith and morality and ethics and pacifism and violence and our relationship with violence uh, for the greater good. You know, all the, all these kinds of issues um, are, are yeah. kind of unavoidable. I think if you, it's not, um, 
I, I don't, it's not beating your head over it, but it's also not like so subtle that you've got to like really sit back and analyze it to discover that the theme is there. It's the, no, the theme is definitely present <laughs> in this, in this series. So I didn't have a whole lot of trivia about this series, and we actually already covered a little bit I had about the manga and the anime, but I want to note that Trigun began as a manga series written and illustrated by Yasuhiro Naitao. And Norman, you put in this, and I'm glad you did, because I had noticed it in my episodes. You you noted that a black cat appears in every episode of the anime, and its name is Koroneko-sama, which means Lord Black Cat. Is there anything more about this black cat, or is it just to have a black cat appear in every episode <laughs> as far as i'm aware it's it's just a thing that the author that the author likes to put in his work and it's just in every episode of the anime it's a little bit like uh i remember reading um umberto ramos drawn comic books in the 90s and there were always frogs in random panels just where, where no frogs needed to be <laughs> there would just be frogs and as umberto ramos always seemed to be drawing frogs <laughs> just and it, down in the corner <laughs> the thing that i think is funny about the cat in trigun is that there is uh, at least one occurrence that you've seen where it affects the plot. Yes, uh, it it stops the character from doing something that the character was about to do, like making a clear ethical and moral statement, it seemed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, before we jump into the summary, we want to thank you for downloading this episode, and we want to thank you uh, for supporting us. And if you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media we've been consuming that we aren't covering as episodes of the podcast yet. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. Now on to the summary. Now I've got the list here. I'm going to be doing a very brief summary. These are all about half hour episodes and I try to keep it to about a paragraph in my summary. But right. we're going to be covering episodes 3, 5, 9, 11, uh, 22, and 23 of the series, which does bounce around a little bit, but it like I said, it, it does feel a little bit of a, the uh, like Wandering Samurai or the old Hulk series where you're just going to wander into town and have a little adventure and learn some about the characters mm-hmm. in the world and then move on. And I definitely had hints of a larger mythology that does not seem to come through all the way in these episodes. And I'm sure watching the entire series, you get you get more of that. But yeah. I never felt lost as to um you know what what was happening like i could still follow everything i could just tell that there was a, a wider tapestry that i wasn't getting in this kind of like uh, yeah. dropping in these uh six episodes yeah i did not want to drown you in the mythology of the show <laughs> <laughs> now i love big mythologies but i also kind of love stories that are just like hey there's more mythology out there and we're carrying on it's like okay <laughs> all right so we're gonna begin with episode three which is called peacemaker um, and in this episode, as it begins, there's some debate about who exactly is Vash. And I, by that, I mean that there's a famous figure known as Vash the Stampede. Uh, and there's a bounty on his head, but nobody's quite sure what he looks like. And at least initially, we're following uh, a bit two employees of an insurance agency, Meryl Streif and Millie Thompson, who are trying to track down Vash. And they're like looking at everyone a little suspiciously. Uh, but they <laughs> they think that a blonde man wearing a, a long red coat may be Vash, but he often acts goofy in a way that just does not align with Vash's reputation or who they think Vash should be. Um, And uh, as they're watching him, this town drunk latches onto the man in red and forces him to go buy him lots of drinks. And he just gets like taken out by this town drunk immediately. (laughs) Like in a, almost like a wrestling hold where the town drunk is, is grabbing him and demanding that he go buy him uh, booze. Um, But after buying him drinks, uh, a group of bandits comes into town to steal an armored car, and the man in red stops the entire heist, though he refuses to shoot at any person as he does this. So he just kind of uh, threw... 
somewhat uh, like an aura of intimidation, uh, but also some real skills, but not like on-person violence is able to stop a, an entire heist. Uh, episode five is called Hard Puncher. Vash is trying to mind his own business. And at this point, it's established uh, that Vash is this man wearing red. Uh, and he's trying to mind his own business as he passes through a destitute town that has been hard hit by a factory shutting down. When rumors spread that Vash is in town, people try to capture him, thinking that the bounty would pay enough to start the factory back up. Vash is able to escape everyone but a mad scientist kind of figure and a giant robot comes to try and catch Vash. Uh, and the destruction unleashed by this gigantic robot and like think like kaiju level size when i say giant robot uh injures several people who have been trying to capture vash but vash saves their lives before he stops uh this mad scientist figure episode nine murder machine vash is traveling across a desert on a bus uh, and like uh, like public transport bus like there's a bus driver who's taking a toll and there's a bunch of people on the bus and uh vash is one of them and they spot a man wandering in the desert this man is carrying a large cross and like classic anime sword style large cross that he's carrying um like just very big (laughs) that very very large sword that you see sometimes in anime but it's a it's a a like christian cross uh and it turns out this is a priest named nicholas wolfwood who is trying to raise funds for an orphanage the bus stops to pick up wolfwood uh but soon a bunch of robots attack everyone gets on the bus and the bus drives away but one passenger cries out that her daughter is missing and must have been left behind without thinking both vash and wolfwood jump off the bus to go rescue the girl like in they're they're in sync as they do this and then they're surprised when someone else has done what they do like this is my thing (laughs) that i do it kind of feels like um there's lots of action that follows but i'm just gonna say in the end wolfwood demonstrates proficiency with guns and they save the girl uh but it's uh some fun action beats where more they're kind of mirroring each other more uh and and we're saying we're sensing that there's um definitely a little bit of uh a doubling happening between vash and wolfwood Hmm. episode 11 is escape from pain wolfwood tries to help some kids escape from a caravan it turns out that the boy is the son of the caravan leader and when this boy discovered that the caravan was transporting slaves he tried to run away the leader of the caravan puts a bounty on the kids lives and a group of assassins are ready to uh, attack wolfwood and the children when vash appears and he shoots the kids from a distance the assassins intimidated by vash and his silent uh you know masculinity uh and also now having nothing to do since someone else has killed the kids they they all leave and then we learn that vash fired rubber bullets and the kids can now escape safely because they're believed to be dead Episode 22 is called Alternative. Vash and friends are trying to get into a city that does not like visitors at all. Uh, They run into a child who leads them to an entire group of orphan children living in the desert. Their parents all went into trances and just walked away. And the people from the city attack the orphans, but a group of sandworms interrupts this attack. Vash realizes that the sandworms are being controlled. And it's revealed that one of the children has been possessed by a demon. And this whole episode to me is, is one of those that was like clearly hinting at the larger mythology. And I just didn't have all of that context. I didn't mind terribly, but maybe if I knew everything, my my summary might be worded differently. But this is kind of what I got from it. Um, yeah, yeah. Vash tries to talk to this child uh, and talk him down, but Wolfwood shoots him and kills him because, as Wolfwood says, this wasn't a kid anymore, just a demon. And Vash is not happy with this violence and death that just happened in front of him. Vash is very anti-death, <laughs> I think is a very, very much good way to put that. Episode 23 is called Paradise, and we get flashbacks of Wolfwood's pretty rough childhood. There's quite a few guns of death that are shown. Uh, He was taken in by Chapel, uh, who is a man who has trained him and uh, gave him his mission to bring uh, a mission to bring Vash to him alive. So Chapel is ordering Wolfwood, who he has trained. 
go bring me Vash. Uh, Chapel tells him that his order is actually now to go kill Vash. Wolfwood is troubled by this, uh, but in the morning, he does challenge Vash to a quick draw gunfight, but uh, it gets into a very angst-filled night. Lots of uh, screaming at the stars and shaking a fist kind of night. Uh, just then, yeah. Kane shoots them at them from a ridiculously long distance, and Kane's gun is a, a marvel of design for anime. This is everything I want. <laughs> It is it's uh, like 60 feet long. It's yes. insane. And, but it, it, like, it's like he throws out a fishing reel, like, like he's casting a fishing line, but it's the gun just unfurling and laying down. And then he lays down at the back of it. And it's like a, sh- a sniper rifle. That's going to shoot perfectly straight. Now uh, it, it, I've made a mm-hmm. lot of jokes about anime swords. This is the anime sniper rifle. <laughs> just adding on needlessly to the size. Um, Vash is going to go uh, after Kane. Cause now they can't have their fight. Uh, Vash and the Wolfwood because they've been interrupted by Kane. So Vash is going to go after Kane and Wolfwood is going to confront chapel. Now, it was left a bit ambiguous about how it all came about. And maybe there's flashbacks later that clear us up. But in the end, Vash and Wolf will survive. They're, they're alive. Uh, and they meet back up and uh, the, the, their fights are over. Uh, but then Wolfwood takes his cross to a church for confession. And after a monologue about faith and identity, choices and guilt, he dies. It's one of those deaths that maybe he comes back. I don't know. There's only a few episodes left. But it, 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 as far as this episode is concerned, he has died. And that is the end of... And, uh, uh, yeah, that episode ends on Millie screaming for like a solid 25 seconds. Yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, anime scream, uh, you know, where the, the mouth is being held open, but the, the audio just really keeps going. Um, so, Norman, you have said this is your favorite yes. anime, and I know anime and manga is something that you are involved in that world more so than I am. So what is it about this one that has drawn you in so much? So uh, if you if you don't remember, um, you might. Uh, the second episode I was ever on for protagonist podcast, we talked about Rurouni Kenshin. Mm-hmm. And we I mentioned Trigun during that discussion uh, because I really, really enjoy uh, heroes that have layers like Kenshin does, like Vash does, like Wolfwood does where like they kind of they kind of preach one thing they they kind of live in a certain way they hold themselves to these like ideals but there's something inherently contradictory about them at their core but they try to still be heroes regardless and that's one of those things that like really draws me to this story too especially to wolfwood i love ash as the main character of the story but i find wolfwood to just be such a fascinating character to put this main character against because Kenshin doesn't really have someone like Wolfwood in his story. He he kind of does, but it's really not to the same degree. It's not the same like level of counter argument to like everything that Kenshin is trying to be at that point in his life. Mm-hmm. But Wolfwood is that for Vash. He and Vash both have these like very strong senses of justice, but the difference between them um, is that, Wolfwood operates very much on like this, this concept of making the smallest sacrifice possible at the time to do the greatest good with. And Vash just believes that it doesn't matter. You must always do the greatest good you are capable of. That there's, um, there's no, um, like you said, like the idea of like sacrificing or, or making a, a small wrong choice, like, shooting a child uh, to kill a demon, right? Uh, right, right. You know, the, you know, that 
for for Vash, no, the shooting the child is always imperatively wrong. And there's there's no way that that could ever be justified. And Wolfwood says, well, there are times where you have to do violent acts in, in essence, you know, for this uh, in right. order for the greater good. And yeah. Vash, even though he is amazingly proficient at action and violence, it's a uh, like a, a very controlled uh, method of violence that never leaves anyone harmed, at least in the episodes we watched for this <laughs> right yeah and there's like one of the big things that's part of of wolfwood's counter argument um it's not highlighted as much in these episodes um but it is it is something that he kind of brings up when they're kind of having their conversation uh when he challenges him to the quick draw in episode 23 is that there is some hypocrisy to always leaving everyone alive even the bad actors mm-hmm it's um, the uh and that, i mean it's something that someone says about batman and the joker all the time <laughs> like right okay yeah yeah this is a serial killer that breaks out every every second month after he's been locked away. At some point, Batman, do you have a duty to to go beyond just uh, leaving him tied up for the police again? Right. Like, come on, man. What are you doing? The, well, and even in the so, I, I made a note of a, a line of dialogue in these in these episodes that I watched where um, I can't remember which one of the other characters. Um, it was one of the, um, the it's Millie. Millie. OK. Uh, it was Millie who who'd been with them, but uh, she. I think it is Wolfwood asks like what she thinks of the what happened, and and she says, "I don't know what you said was right, but what Mister Vash said was true too." And I think that gets to it. Like it's not that one of these people is categorically wrong and the other one is categorically right. Um, it's that you can see the the rightness, right, the morality of both points of view. Um, and the show, does, at least from what I've seen, does a really good job of. Um, allowing you to to see both points of view and also the uh, wh- why both points of view are are appealing or or feel like they have um you know uh, that that there is something uh, compelling to to their arguments. Yeah, like uh, it, it's really easy to understand even from just like the the slice of this series I gave you six six of twenty four episodes, like where these two characters kind of worldview comes from. To a certain extent, like there's a little more mystery in Vash that I kind of left out because it ties to uh, way more complicated things that require like five more episodes to explain. Uh, (laughs) But there's still like there's these little hints that there was this person that he cared about that this philosophy is his kind of comes from. Um, he, I think he names her. He's like thinking on his own in one of these episodes and he's he's looking up the sky and he sees that silhouette. Um, But there's it's understandable really especially for wolfwood like where his worldview mm-hmm. comes from um he lashes out a lot at things that challenge whether or not what he's doing is right because of how much he has suffered as a person to maintain the life that he has like he needs it to be right uh not just because it's his belief and his worldview but his sense of identity uh is very wrapped up uh and if if say Vash's worldview, like this is the monologue we get at the end. If Vash's worldview was correct, which he starts to concede, um, or at least he can, see, he can now see Vash's worldview in a way that he hadn't. And he can see the validity in Vash's worldview in a way that he hadn't up to this point. Uh, and he has this monologue in the church at the end, right before he, he dies. Um, you know, that uh, not only is that going to like really cause him to struggle with his sense of self and his, his sense of the world around him, it's going to make him see himself as having made so many of these wrong choices, right? Al- along the way. Right. Yeah. Like he asked himself, like, is what I did, didn't I do good? Didn't I make the right choice with what I had? Like, and he, you know, he, he dies lashing out 
at himself, at Vash, at God, like asking for forgiveness. I really, his last monologue, that whole last scene, uh, I think is very beautiful and powerful. Like the 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 lighting, mm-hmm. the whole framing of it. You know, he's a priest. We're told he's a priest from the beginning. His first line of dialogue in this series is, I'm saved. And then he dies in a church asking for forgiveness. Oh, I like that. That is okay. Well done, creators of this. Because <laughs> he says, I'm saved about the bus, you know, coming to find him. But yeah, when you right. when you put it like that, it's uh, that is a really compelling, uh, you know, character arc, uh, you know, going from a point of confidence to not a lack of faith, but a questioning of how he had been enacting his faith uh, at the end. Yeah. And I think this yeah, is something says, that for religious people, like these are conversations that are are all had by religious people, like these kinds of issues. This isn't like an outsider looking in and like, oh, do you see this hypocrisy? It's like, no, these, these are the things that deeply religious people are very aware of and are questioning. And, uh, you know, I, you know, what lines am I drawing where and why and and the morality of each one of those choices? Right. Yeah. Like he even he even apologizes. I'm sorry for barging in like this. He's, he admits that he's never made a confession before. Like there's a there's a lot to unpack in his last little monologue. And it comes from Chapel. Like Chapel is also ostensibly a priest, uh, hence his name. Uh, it's mm-hmm. where Wolfswood faith, Wolfwood's faith comes from. Um, but Chapel has this perspective that we are not like the the quote from Chapel that I really, really like. Um, and I think is everything you need to know about Wolfwood boiled down to a single sentence is we are not like gods. Not only uh, not only are is our, are our choices limited, but sometimes we have to become the devil himself. And it's just like, yeah, that's 100 percent everything about Chapel and like Wolfwood's worldview just boiled right down to one sentence. And I think gonna. in having those two characters there, like as an audience, like I, I saw chapel in this episode and you immediately know this is an evil man who everything that he's done to wolfwood is to manipulate him for his own ends right (laughs) like it's just he just drips with that um and he can have that worldview to justify his actions and we just know he's the evil hip hypocrite bad guy you know who's manipulating religion and yet we can have him have taught wolfwood that and we have so much sympathy for wolfwood and uh we we sense the goodness that he's trying to achieve with that same worldview. Yeah. There are a few more layers to chapel that get peeled back at the very beginning of episode 24. Um, mm-hmm. that are, that are interesting that kind of reframe some of chapel and Wolfwood's relationship a little, uh, but it's very brief. It's, it's a lot of inference, but it's just like one little thing. Right. Um, but no, I, I like their fight. Like it's, chapel is is it kind of dresses like an undertaker and he drops the coffins it's just like all this <laughs> stuff it's so the, the action in the show just sometimes gets very ridiculous not just yes. with the anime size like gun. we haven't talked about the the cross uh that wolfwood yes. is carrying that this giant cross i think the first time i saw it be used as a weapon it was like holding smaller guns like he he took this cover off of it and some of the crossbar of the cross opened up and guns came out of it right i think that's the first mm-hmm. time i saw it but then later on he is um, wielding this this cross that seems like other times it is very heavy and difficult. And he's like, has it like strapped to his arm and the base of the cross is now uh, the the uh, a gun. And he's just shooting with the yep. entire cross. And then another time out of the top of the cross, like a, a full missile comes out. 
right? Yep. So it's just it's, it's a rocket launcher, a case for a dozen guns, and a machine gun. <laughs> but also one that when he's wielding it like a gun, he is very dexterous with it. Like he's just whipping this thing around and pointing yeah. it and aiming. It. His aim is very true. Uh, but then when he's like just carrying this across the desert, it is the biggest burden imaginable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just one of those. Um, I don't know with the themes that they're getting at in terms of uh, like, I think some sincere explorations of faith. Um, I don't know if they're trying to get at something with that, or if it's just a fun anime element <laughs> to everything that they do with the idea of the, the, which I mean, the idea of like weaponized religion, I understand how that could be a commentary, but also some of this feels like it's just a fun anime element. So there's what's interesting about, uh, about Trigon, especially its author, uh, Yasir Naito is uh, it's like commonly it's like commonly stated, although there's just like barely any real proof of this. Uh, there's like one snippet from an interview from a long time ago that he was raised Buddhist and converted to converted to Catholicism as an adult. And that's part mm-hmm. of what the inspiration for Trigun is. So there's a lot of these Christian themes like shown through like Buddhist upbringing, right. which is one of the more interesting things about like the greater themes of the of the story. Mm-hmm. because there's a there's a lot of quiet just emptiness in this show but it never feels empty to me there's just all these quiet moments to just kind of sit with whatever just happened yeah i like that and you do feel like um you know this this blend of like you're saying like this uh more eastern zen uh stillness uh but then also you know undeniably overtly christian themes at the same time and they're being put in conversation yeah. with each other it's not that there's i i don't think they're meant to uh you know be at odds with one another um no and, absolutely not yeah um should we talk a little bit about uh these two characters in in particular i do want to say vash it hit me a few episodes in when i was just kind of enjoying the um, stylistic uh, choices. Uh, there were a couple scenes of like how they show him like preparing for a fight in which he's not going to kill someone. And mm. uh, like the, the, that does like the anime, like long pauses of stuff, uh, you know, and, and just like uh, flashes of different angles that get held for, you know, five or six seconds on screen of like a still from a different angle. Um, but I was just thinking about how it was demonstrating like his absolute control and, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, action and violence and everything that he wanted to have happen, but in a way that was going to ensure that no one died. And then also like in these towns, just being around him, other people like get inspired to be better. Like particularly the town drunk yes. in the first episode, like they want to be, better. Yeah. and I realized this is what I want from a Superman movie. <laughs> like I want all the action, but I want it to be Superman, like triangulating and, and going through all these, in crazy steps that just show how uh competent he is in order to save li- save lives uh yeah and uh i don't think we get that often enough from superman and, and i do not in any way think this is like a a ripoff of superman like this is a fully formed its own world it just made it struck me of like the superman parallel and i put that in our google doc where we do our show notes and you said oh and wolfwood is very much uh batman to vash the superman i was like oh yep there it is yeah <laughs> once you said it i was like oh of course of course but i had not like it hadn't clicked fully for me yeah uh he's you know he he's presented more as like an everyman he's 
he's more he's wearing black like, worldly <laughs> and part of the world like he's more part of like the dirtier parts of the world than mm-hmm. the bashes so of course he has like this totally different perspective yeah so the and even visually i episode- think you get some of that too like he's always wearing black oh, yeah. bash is always wearing bright red um and uh and again like they they want the same thing they just have different methods and how they're going around it uh you know about it yeah so episode three specifically with this town drunk frank marlin uh the gunsmith the fash wants to fix his gun um the story of that episode i think is very compelling uh on more than just like about vash like the whole story of that town about this man who made guns for all the townsfolk he passed them out so the town could protect itself from bandits they don't have a sheriff they don't have like a marshal or anything in their town and then one of those guns is used later to commit a crime that kills his family and he just spirals off into depression like that is heart-wrenching and Mm -hmm. awful and terrible and just being around vash and seeing vash do what he does inspires the townspeople to stand back up for themselves and pulls frank marlin like out of this spiral he fixes Vash's gun. The town and Frank are all so thankful and they're back to where they were. And I love that visual thing where the fir- where we first go into the bar, we see the rusted gun on the wall and the last shot of the episode, Frank has fixed and polished that gun back up for the bartender. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think and it's, it's really like, interesting. It represents him. Yes. The way violence gets used in this, um, particularly when Vash is a, like our core character, like it's... Um, you know, a, a gun doesn't represent death per se, <laughs> you know, no. uh, and I, I know like, you know, we're constantly having debates uh, about guns and violence and in media and in real life. Uh, but just taking it in the in the world that has been built for Trigun, this 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 one narrative creation, uh, it definitely does feel like, um, you know, that man has found his purpose and his purpose is is, uh, you know, caring for for his town, you know, that, that around him. And he that's the way that he does that. Yeah, I I love the little bit with Vash and Frank talking through Vash's plan to go out there. And then he has like that badass Western walk with a trash can lid for a cowboy hat. It's (laughs) it's just such a funny little thing. It's so good. Uh, yeah, there's and definitely then he slashes lots of... that guy's tires, and he's such a goof. <laughs> lots of Western motifs. It's a strange world that Trigon inhabits, where it feels, um, you know, a little post-apocalyptic in that it doesn't feel like there's like countries. Like each village is its own like city-state, right? It's kind of yeah, pretty much uh, the the sense that we get. Uh, and I, I we don't know, or at least in the episodes we watched, I didn't see any, like, was this our earth that became this, or is this some other world, you know, in with its own system that just developed like this or, or what we're supposed to take. But we definitely get lots of those uh, Western motifs when they're, you know, the Vash is staring down uh, people who want to shoot him and he just intimidates them with his stare, <laughs> you know, from, right. from across the street. It's, it's the classic uh, shootout motifs. And I already said, like, it's also the wandering samurai and those two, you know, genres are very closely related and how yeah. they got uh, encapsulated in American pop culture you know, the, the samurai and the, and, and, and the cowboy, but there are some, you know, uh, sci-fi elements, uh, you know, that come in as well. And then there's also these supernatural elements that are being introduced. So it's, um, uh, an interesting like genre, uh, blend is, is going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it really is like Vash has a robotic arm that hides a machine gun. Like, I don't think I saw that. <laughs> Did I see that? And somehow uh, he, missed that? <laughs> he uses it in episode 12. Uh, oh, he uses it in episode was, uh... 20. 
He uses it in episode 23 uh, as well to fight, to like when he blasts Kane's gun oh, away. Oh, when he takes out the, 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 the machine gun. Right. Okay, yes. I do remember. Yeah. I was like, wait, what was that? I must have missed it in episode 12. Like I was uh, jotting down notes uh, and missed the exact action beat. It turns out action beats are a really good time to write down notes because you know more or less what's going to be happening for the next little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, little fights. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah. Uh, the the only other, the other two the the other thing about this the series is I really like how all the character growth between Vash and Wolfwood and Marilyn Millie is all so like interconnected. You mm-hmm. you can see how those four characters all affect each other across this story. Yeah, um, a little less Marilyn Millie in what we watch, but there is mm-hmm. some of it. Yeah, I could tell that evolution had happened with Marilyn Millie uh, that just wasn't the episodes I had. But I could tell like these were different characters and their relationship with Vash and Wolfwood was was different as uh, I was jumping ahead, you know, six episodes or whatever. And the yeah. with the format, I could tell like, OK, this one is a more Wolfwood centric episode. And I'm assuming we just missed some Meryl or Millie centric episodes that we're going to give fill us in a little bit more about them. Yeah, there's there's a couple. There there's actually there's an episode where it's the two of them dealing with a problem um with some help from Vash but unbeknownst to them but without his direct influence on how they decide to proceed. Yeah. Um in, in terms of uh, again Vash as a character, I think one thing that's interesting is um he presents this like a stoic surety um of his pacifism that this is the way and there will always be a way uh, to to do things without killing someone else. All right. But then when he's asked like how he, he never quite knows and he does not seem willing to really dig into, <laughs> into the how. No, <laughs> um, no. It, it's more like he needs to, he needs to have faith that his pacifism will work out. Even if he doesn't know when he steps into the, into the street to face the bad guys, he doesn't know how this is going to go. Right. That that's the way that him and Wolfwood are really similar. Like they're so sure of their worldview, but they don't really let people question their worldview. Mhm. Yes. <laughs> and, and you sense and I think there's I can't remember any specific lines, uh, but we definitely have it with Wolfwood, but I think with Vash there is a sense of like am I really like is this really the right <laughs> the right way yeah, he, to, to do this. Um so there's a little bit of doubt creeping within there which again i think this is reflective of of someone who is really uh, like a a writer who's really engaged with like real deep religious people like like the idea of allowing yourself to have those questions is is something that i think is very valid in a religious experience and a religious life uh and and asking those questions is evidence of deep engagement with religion not of uh you know oh i'm gonna leave the religion at all (laughs) you know it's, it's like no i'm thinking about this deeply and there are questions to be had here yeah um, like, in, and in that way, like the, like there's real, like th- there's real care given to how religion is kind of framed mm-hmm. in, in episode nine, the first episode we meet Wolfwood, one of my favorite lines in the, one of my favorite exchanges between the two characters and one of my favorite bits of dialogue in the whole story is when they're down there and Wolfwood says, may you go with God's protection. And Vash asks him if it works. And Wolfwood says, that's entirely up to us. <laughs> Yes, I do. I do. I remember that line. I remember that line sticking out because uh, it's just uh, it's it's I think it reveals a lot about the characters and their relationship with faith. Yeah, because Vash doesn't really seem to understand what Wolfwood is talking about, but it's just mm-hmm. like, of course, it's up to us. Like faith is only the beginning. We have to take action to make sure that we we live according to what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you, I know we've been talking about Vash a little bit and we had done Wolfwood a little bit more. Is there any more you want to dig into about those two characters? Um, 
in in particular, like the the stuff that I find most interesting is that you can see how they change each other. Like Wolf would way more drastically than Vash. Mm-hmm. Vash's characterization and like how he changes as a character, his needle moves a lot slower. Right. Like, but but he's also he doesn't talk about himself to anybody like ever there there's there's always this sense that there's more going on inside Vash's head like we get more we get more like insightful monologuing and like inside his own head from Wolfwood in the last in his last episode in episode 23 <laughs> than uh, Vash gives you across the rest of this with him yeah like that that uh episode 23 it is really like here's everything that has been motivating Wolfwood uh that he has been carrying like around within himself and it does i think successfully like add nuance it doesn't reframe everything that came before but it but like makes you look back at the choices he's been making before with the new light yeah um and i i find bash's motivations just like so interesting he he's so motivated by compassion by mercy by self-sacrifice love of children like he, like, is... he really is trying to take care of these orphans like that is a legitimate right? thing in him uh, and like i said uh at least in the version of chapel that we see in this episode like i don't feel like chapel was really loving uh the child that he took in he was looking for a tool <laughs> no. that he could mold <laughs> yeah and then wolfwood started an orphanage because he didn't want children to have a life like he did <laughs> yeah um <laughs> You know, he's he was trying to break the cycle of violence for somebody else, but not for himself. He felt mm-hmm. like he had already gone too far. Um, but like Vash, Vash is so motivated by self-sacrifice, but so unwilling to let anybody else do the same thing he's doing, which I think is an interesting thing about him as a person. Like he's totally unwilling to let other people be the one to make the sacrifice play to do the right thing. He's like, no, that's my job. I'm the one that does that. And I, I really loved the moment on the bus when like the woman cries out like, oh, my daughter. And they both just spring into action, even though they both were like yeah. exhausted and like laying down on the bus seats because they, you know, they just fought the robots or whatever. But they both immediately are are up and out and then like surprised that someone else did this. Like, you know, this is my right. thing. <laughs> this, is, this is what I do. Like, and there's like the multiple action beats of them, like being very much in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love that shot of Wolfwood like telling Vash that there's a robot behind him and Vash without looking just flips his gun around and shoots it directly like in the head. Yeah. Just little things like that are just like, wow, this guy is something else. And then just a few seconds later, the robot like sneaks up on Vash and Wolfwood throws the broken knife through it. Yeah. These two, um, it's a very interesting mix to see together. And again, like I I come away liking both of them and understanding both of them. (laughs) Uh, And um, I agree with what you said. I feel like I've I've seen it more of a character arc or journey for Wolfwood than I have for Vash. He still is, yeah. Um, the I, I mean, it's a strange mix of like goofiness and stoicism <laughs> that, that yeah. defines him. There, all all of the all the main characters, the the four main characters, there's some kind of like contradiction kind of baked into who they are, like. Vash is such a goofball. He like who he really seems to be is just kind of like this insecure goof, but he except for except for like around kids or when he's caught totally off guard, he really doesn't want people to see just how insecure and goofy he is. Mm-hmm. So he puts on like this stoic facade. And yes. while he has this ability to intimidate people and like really like exude this aura of you do not want to mess with me whenever he's really like act like trying to act particularly like a thug i don't think it ever is it never feels genuine to me like 
he certainly feels strong. Like you shouldn't mess with him. But there's just something about him as a as a character, especially after seeing the goofy stuff. It's just like I don't buy this. I don't buy this at all. <laughs> and like when we get introduced to the idea, like there's this idea of who Vash is that uh, you know the reputation that um, you know like Millie and Merrill are looking for Vash, and they see who Vash really is. And like, well, that can't be him. <laughs> and, and there's like the yeah. legend of Vash versus who Vash really is. And, and uh, there are times where Vash is clearly playing up to the legend side of it. Uh, and then there's times where we see, like you said, like the, the reality as, as that facade crumbles away and uh, we see, uh, you know, the panic or the, the silliness, uh, you know, all the, all these other parts of him. Uh, but the legend is, you know, this is a man with the 60 billion double dollar bounty who is, uh, what are his two, two titles? The, uh, the humanoid typhoon and, yeah. uh, and bash the stampede, yeah. bash the stampede, He's right. The... You know, like where you just imagine like just violence, uh, and like an avalanche of violence, like uncontrolled violence incarnate, like Wolverine in berserker mode is, is like the, uh, right. the idea that you get. And in all the instances, at least that I watched, like, like violence comes to him and he's just trying to avoid it. <laughs> and, right. and, yeah, he, and this like, violence and, just and destroys it, things yes, and, around and, him. And, and then the reputation grows. Oh, did you see what Vash did? <laughs> and it's, it's like, I was just trying to get out of the way. <laughs> right. Like episode five. Uh, I think episode five is one of the best episodes of the whole show. Uh, hard, hard puncher, because I think it, it underlines who Vash is so much. It hints at things that are coming. It, it, underscores everything that came before it to that point but it's also like self-contained enough that just watching episode five you're just like i know who this guy is yeah i know what this uh, is all about the scene when the giant robot has come so so vash is being held at gunpoint uh and then this giant robot comes and uh causes so much destruction like the 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 building that he's in has collapsed and then we see vash carrying the uh the wounded out and like just calmly ensuring that the wounded are are going to be okay before he deals with this giant robot that's trying to kill him yeah the the giant like spinning rocket fist that zips back into place on a line on this kaiju size robot with five bullets he throws it off throws it off course and then we get that awesome shot of the guy being like you wasted your bullets and he's like nope i've got one more it's special (laughs) one shot wrecks the rocket arm contraption and just saves the day uh and then it ends with love and peace this world (laughs) is made of love and peace and I think it um, more so with uh, Wolfwood, I, I think the interesting idea that we're starting to, to get at in, and that we see explored a lot in in American pop culture is um, this idea of these these characters who are using violence to uh, create a world where violence is no longer needed. Right. Where where like they're, they're using yeah. the tools uh, of um, savagery to protect civilization. And uh, what we see with Vash is this interesting line being drawn as to like what savagery is actually allowable savagery. <laughs> like he, he's still a violent figure. Like, yes, he's getting swept up in a lot of this violence, but he's very adept uh, at it. Uh, and, and he's skilled at it and he, he guides it as much as he can though. As we said, like this, a lot of destruction just happens around him. Whereas uh, Wolfwood is willing to cross lines that, that Vash isn't again, always though, for like the idea of this greater moral good. Um, and, right. and, that is where the point of conflict comes. Not that one is good and one is evil, that they have different ways of trying to enact good. Yeah. Like they, they both say it uh, in, in, in episode 23, they both say they want a world without killing or stealing or lying. Yeah. I, I think we're gonna have to watch this whole series. That's what I'm coming away with from this discussion. Yeah. Uh, I, like I, I really recommend I liked, that you do. 
I liked what I had re- I had seen in these uh, what is it six episodes that we've summarized here. Um, but the more we're talking about it, I actually want to like go rewatch just these six episodes. But then I also want to see everything that I've missed. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I really like this. Pick, it'll Nor- Norman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really glad. I, I'm really glad that you do. Uh, a, a lot of people, uh, especially people that like were introduced to stuff that came much later in in like the Western Western influx of anime, uh, look back at Trigun and they're not terribly fond of it. They think it's really dated. They don't like how it looks. They think the dub is really hokey. Um, but like, I think that the the core of this is speaking to something that's just like it's it's so important, even without all the religious themes, just like this idea of of compassion and mercy and pacifism and like where the lines are for justice, like in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it it's so important to like just kind of analyze these things and deconstruct these things and really like look at them and what they mean to you as a person, like especially like as our world becomes, you know, more complicated. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, what, uh, you know, the TV show The Good Place, like explored, like, what is good, like, what is a good action is almost inevitably going to have negative repercussions somewhere down the line, <laughs> right? Like, like, they give the example, of like, yeah. like, buy buying your mother flowers is a good act. However, it is actually contributing to global warning because because most of our flowers are being shipped from Europe to our grocery stores in the United States, uh, you know, and, and uh, so now like okay well now what where where are these lines of this show in this crazy world that is uh has so many of those uh anime elements that i think are off-putting for for some people who aren't as as immersed in in anime um but it's still like really compelling in this mismatch of genres and these these characters that are uh like like you said that 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 one uh town drunk like we get that huge backstory in one episode like that is so much story that is packed into those 20 you know tw- 22 minutes um there's there's so much in there and there's also like all this kind of depth of theme and, and i think there's um you could get distracted by all of the anime trappings and um and not stop and you know have some of these conversations that we've just had on this podcast uh and maybe not appreciate uh how much is actually going on in this particular anime yeah, there, 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 there's a really lot. There, there's a lot going on. I'm, I'm sad that I couldn't expose you more to like a little bit more of Marilyn Millie. They don't do too, too much across the whole series, but I, I love their little character moments. Um, Meryl, like I find Marilyn Millie like also interesting mirrors to Vash and Wolfwood because they're also like motivated very much by like the same things between the two of them. But they also often disagree about things. They both have very different ways of doing things. Meryl's very skeptical. Millie's very trusting. Um, now their role in the early, it's something they're working for an insurance company. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So like the, the, the conceit of, of Marilyn Millie is that they, they work for an insurance company that's trying to assess whether or not it's worth it to allow people to make insurance claims due to the, ins- the destruction that Vash causes. <laughs> but in the, in the process of this, they're going to come to know Vash very well. Right. And, yes. uh, you know, yeah. and, and initially they are. Like they're looking for that legend, you know, the the urban legend of Vash, uh, you know, that yeah. warrants the 60 billion double dollar uh, bounty. And 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 when they are seeing who Vash is, like even in that in that first episode that I watched, they're like, that can't be him. He's just a goofus. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the first episode is even more of that. Uh, of, this guy's an absolute goof. Who the, who the heck? No way. <laughs> Do we um, get uh is it shown in those early episodes like what caused so much destruction that led to the 60 billion double dollar bounty? 
you get it in flashback, like right in the middle of the series. Oh, okay. So, so, so it is showed. I was just wondering if that was like we were just meant yeah. to to wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a character we didn't talk about because he's only mentioned by name, and, and his name is on a thing in episode twenty three. Um, the the character of knives is like really mm-hmm. important to the 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 story of this and like the greater mythology. But I didn't want to get I I didn't want to get caught up and like get in the weeds with that and just okay. like. Get, it complicates yeah, you could things tell more the, than just these episodes. In, in just episodes I watched, I knew Knives was some larger figure, probably like the big bad that was coming up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, and, you know, his story is obviously like really tied to to Vash just from like the little bits that you get. All right. But, well, yeah. I, I, I just want to say. I really had a good time. <laughs> I've loved this discussion. This, this has been fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to make sure we cover about uh, Trigun before we wrap up? Uh no, I, I just I really suggest that people give it a give it a fair shot. Um, there, there's a lot going on here. It's it's a lot it's a lot deeper than it kind of looks like initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's my favorite anime. And every time I rewatched it, I found I found something else that I really love about it or appreciated some other part of it more. Yeah. Um, for any listeners who are thinking about uh, checking it out, I, it is currently on Hulu. That is where I watched it. And each episode had uh, it was labeled a dub or a sub. So either subtitles with the original Japanese voice work or dubbed uh, with English voice actors. And I'd say it's like PG-13 level violence and language uh, is, is yeah. what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. I, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, PG-13. Like it implies that maybe a couple darker things than that, but it never really goes there. Mm-hmm. okay well that is going to wrap up this episode thank you for joining us for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows you can go to duelinggenre.com also please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out we'd like to thank scott tofty who composed our theme music and you can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com we're also on twitter you can follow at protagonistpod or at jay Dorowski. and our producer andrew is at Dizminute. and our facebook fan page is facebook.com slash podcast and also dueling genre has a discord channel where all of the dueling genre podcast hosts uh hang out and uh talk about their episodes and you are definitely welcome to drop by and leave a comment there norman is there anything you would like to plug uh i mean i'm kind of just between everything right now so not really we can acknowledge your massive podcast back catalog i just want to give a shout out to your uh almost 700 episodes discussing the lord of the rings films one minute at a time Uh, oh i guess if you are subscribed to the only genre patreon we have released uh by this point commentaries for all three lord of the rings films as well exclusive to patreon and that would be uh rather than the you know 20 to 30 minutes per minute of film this is just you watching the films and talking through it correct yeah correct and it's split up into six parts because i have the extended edition dvds and we just split it up based on having to change the discs <laughs> all right well if, if that sounds interesting it's uh lord of the rings minute podcast and uh i i do recommend that one uh norman and your co-host cast are wonderful on that thank you for listening we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story so long I was just saying, right yeah. when you said, let's go. Oh, man, I'm getting the spinning pinwheel again. Can you hear me now? <laughs>